Well, good morning to you again. Hey, let's try that again. Good morning to you again. Good morning. There we go. A little exuberance. Yeah. Hey, we're talking about a, a, another difficult subject, forgiveness. It sounds easy, but oftentimes it's the hardest thing you'll ever do is to forgive somebody that has done something atrocious against you. And Jesus is going to address this today. We're going to pick it up in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Please stand as we read the word of God. But I want you to remember that we're learning how to live in this world as kingdom of God believers in an evil world in preparation for a kingdom that is coming soon. The king is coming. It's coming soon. And we're in school now to learn how to be a king's kid in the kingdom. So forgiveness is a big thing. And Jesus is actually going to demand that we forgive. You'll see that today. So in Matthew chapter 18, 21 through 35, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, let that just be ingrained. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he could pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, of each of you from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This is the word of God. Our Father, we are in your word again to learn how you would like us to live in this world. Lord, let us live with the spirit of forgiveness. May we be set free from the torturers. May we not live a lifetime of bitterness and anger and frustration. May we be freed of those emotions. And may we live with the peace of God and the joy of God in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. As you know, the theme of Matthew is Jesus is the promised king. Now, last time we talked about the straying brother. Some people talk about it as being church discipline, church discipline. And we had a proscribed way and a proscribed attitude that we are to address the straying, the straying brother. We're to go to that person personally and really try to convince them that they're straying off track. If that doesn't work, we're to take two more with us and try to convince them. And the goal is to restore your brother to help them to see the truth, to help them to see the reality of their situation. If that doesn't work, then we are to bring it before the church. And the church gets involved and tries to convince this person. If that doesn't work, then we are to separate. And Jesus was a very specific about the goal is restoration. But if need be, separation must happen. Now, then we talked about what has happened in our world today, particularly in the church in general, in our country. And how the church has gotten into embracing what I termed world think. Thinking like the world, adapting to the world, adjusting to the world. And the church starts to believe what the world believes. Folks, that's not the church. That would be the false church. Don't fall into that. Those are the things that we are to address. address. It's okay to live any way that I want. And just claim the name of Jesus. Well, that is not what Jesus is teaching here. Church discipline is all about restoring the wanderer, the person that has gone off. That is the one that we pursue, the one that's going off the rails, the one that has gone, what I think is into cultural drift, validating their sin, giving license to their sin, saying this is what everybody else is doing and hoping that you give license to their sin 
and that you join in with them in believing what they believe. That's what we are combating here today. This week, Peter's going to ask a question concerning the wandering, straying brother. How many times do I have to forgive this dude or dudess that's gone off the tracks? Okay, how many times? And Jesus is going to be very specific. In verse 21 and 22, Peter thinks he's magnanimous. Seven times. And Jesus is going to straighten him out. Verse 21, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? Referring back to the, to the straying brother and forgive him. Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I say to you up to seven times, not seven times, but 70 times seven, 490 times. Now that number has a significance you're going to learn about in just a second. But thinking about forgiveness, forgiveness is not easy. I think you would agree with me. It is easy to mouth the words. It's difficult to really live out forgiving somebody in your life. It's not something that is oftentimes it's humanly impossible. Some of the egregious things that have been done to people. You can't forgive them. It, it, I can't do that. You can't. God can. So how do I forgive in situations that are awful where there's been abuse, murder, rape, theft, torture, ongoing issues that never stop, never stop? How do I deal with that in this world? How do I do this? Well, remember, again, you can't survive these things on your own. You need something that only God can provide, and I have it written here. You can't, God can, the Holy Spirit must, must, must give you the ability to do this. You can't muster this up on your own. When some things that are so awful, and again, forgiveness is not a human trait. This is a God thing and actually a God demand because remember, he forgave us all of our sins, all of our trespasses, and he asks us to act in kind. Now, there's a slide that's coming up here about forgiveness, and I think this is very important. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their actions, no way. Forgiveness stops their actions from destroying my heart. Author unknown. That is so significant. You can fly like a bird, man. When you forgive, you are set free. He whom the Son has set free is what? Free indeed. You got that right. So that's a very important thing. And dealing with the wandering brother, Peter thinks he's, he's giving us this great huge number of seven times. The rabbis used to forgive three times. Peter says, oh, I'm more than doubling those guys. I'm very, I'm just terrific. And Jesus says, no, 490 times. Now, I want you to think about this number 490 times. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, we read some interesting words. You're familiar with this. It's the 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel. And it goes, 70 weeks are determined for your people, the Jewish people, and your holy city. This is Gabriel speaking to Daniel. Now, we've been through this before. And it's specifically to Jerusalem and to the Jewish people. What is to happen to the, those two entities, the, the Jewish people in particular? It's supposed to be an end to wickedness, an end to sin, and a reconciliation to bring in everlasting righteousness, to anoint the most holy. This is Messiah coming. This is the kingdom coming. If the Jews would have had, would accepted Messiah, the kingdom would have come 490 years after giving this command. They rejected him. So 490 years is significant. Jesus says 490 times, year after year after year, to forgive, 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 until the kingdom comes. So that tells me in my life, I am to forgive, 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 until I am out of here. It's significant. So Jesus is saying the believer must be willing to forgive without limit. Impossible. I can't do that in the natural. I am not geared that way. This, folks, is a God thing, a God thing. The principle is this. Forgiveness is a matter of the heart, not the mind. I must forgive because Jesus has forgiven me much. Now, I want you to think about this. Forgiveness does not mean that everything is okay. You must realize that. Robert Dean in his work says this. Forgiveness doesn't mean we're absolving the person of all consequences of their actions. It does not mean that. What it does mean, we're eradicating that sin's effect on us. It's effect on us. The anger, the resentment, the hostility, the bitterness, that deep root of bitterness that grows with an unforgiving heart. 
That's what we want to root out. Now, think about this. King David sinned with Bathsheba. Most people are familiar with the story. When kings go out to war, David stayed home. He's on his rooftop. He sees Bathsheba bathing in the nude, and he goes, oh, I want her. And he's the king, and he has her. They have sexual relations. She has a baby. Now he's, David's in a panic. Somebody's going to find out. Nathan the prophet then goes and confronts the straying brother, so to speak, the one that went off. And in his, in his story, David ends up realizing that you are the man, David. You are the one that's culpable for this. And what does David do? David repents of his sin, confesses his sin. This is after Uriah's murdered adultery with Bathsheba, trying to cover it up. And then the baby dies. The consequence, the baby dies. But it doesn't stop there for King David. Amnon rapes his half-sister, Tamar. David is passive in this. He says, you should not have done that, Amnon, but doesn't take full action. Absalom, his brother, is furious. Furious, the brother of Exodus, full brother of Tamar. So what does Absalom do? Two years later, takes it into his own hands, and he kills Amnon. Then Absalom decides he's going to take over the kingdom. David has to flee for his life. Absalom then loses the battle. He's hanging in a tree. Joab kills him, and Absalom loses his life. The consequences of that one indiscretion were played out for the rest of David's life. That's what you have to remember. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. In verses 23 through 24, Jesus is going to give a parable about forgiveness, talking about a king that forgave much and another lowly servant who refused to forgive even a minimal amount. It starts in verse 23 through 27, a picture of God's mercy and forgiveness. Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, and again, I paused before because I want you to think about this. Kingdom of heaven believers have a responsibility to live here as kingdom of heaven servants. So it's incumbent upon us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Again, impossible unless you're walking close to God. Impossible. So the, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, they used to say this is millions of dollars. Today, you could say it's billions of dollars with inflation, okay? It just keeps going up. It's a huge amount, an insurmountable amount to pay. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded, now watch the, the results of this, that he be sold, his wife and his children be sold, that, and all that he had be sold, he lost everything, and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay it all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, mercy, released him, and forgave him the debt. Forgave him the debt. So this is a, a picture of amazing debt being forgiven, a cry for mercy. Look, we're crying for mercy. God forgives a major, a huge debt in our life. So that's the picture here. So the servant has a debt he cannot pay, impossible to pay. He can't do it on its own. And he's asking for mercy, and he begs for mercy, and he gets mercy. Just like God mercies us over and over and over. He graces us. He mercies us. Just picture Lake Michigan, the waves lapping up on the shore. Grace and mercy over and over is available to you. The picture could not be more clear. The servant is released from his giant, huge, incredible debt. He's forgiven. He's been set free. When we, when we as humans realize the consequence of sin, that we have rebelled against a loving God, and we say, oh, Jesus, forgive me, and we accept the gift of salvation, we are set free. We cry out for mercy, and God forgives us our giant debt. We are set free. Folks, this is salvation so great and free. That has been offered to us 
offered to us. John 8, 36 says this, and you know it. If the Son makes you free, say it, you will be free indeed. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. 28 through 30, the picture of the sinful flesh. See, this first one was a spirit response. This will be a flesh response. Notice the difference. 28 through 30. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's two, three months wages. Not billions of dollars, two or three months wages. And he laid hands on him. He grabbed him up, took him by the throat. This is physical. Pay me what you owe. Now, this is after receiving all of that mercy. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And this servant that was forgiven much would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Folks, this is a picture of us in the raw. We want our pound of flesh. You did this. I want to do this to you. Folks, that's not the Jesus way. Notice the violence. Always the flesh is with violence. Laid hands on him. Chokes him. That sort of thing. The flesh shows no mercy, no grace. Though forgiven much, it demands payback. Retribution is what the flesh wants. I want my way. This fellow servant begged, and he was not given an ounce of mercy. In verse 31, listen to this loud and clear. Be sure your sin will find you out. God sees all. God sees all. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what, he had, what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. The information's out. Now, I want you to hear this, and I think you know this because you've been in, in, with, with God a long time. Do not be fooled. God sees all. He sees your heart. He sees your actions. He sees the motives of your life. He sees everything. Hebrews 4.13, you know the verse. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing means what? Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. All things are uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Proverbs 5.22 says this. A man's ways are in full view of the Lord. Full view. Full view. Nothing hidden. And he examines all his paths. His paths are like wagon tracks. Deeply engraved ways of behavior. God examines that. God sees everything. No flim flam will work with God. And finally, Proverbs 5.22. A man's ways are in full view of the Lord. And he examines all his paths. All right, I think I just said that, didn't I? Job 131.4, does he not see my ways and count every step? Now, I have a couple pictures here. The first one is, a, is Hebrews 4.13. Nothing can be hidden from God because he sees everything. He sees everything. And now, when you think you're in the dark and God is not seeing you, this is what the next picture will show you. Boom. I mean, you think it's dark and God's going, no, 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 no. Darkness is as light to God. Nothing, nothing, nothing is hidden from God's sight. So, sneaking around, not hidden from God. Pretending God is not there doesn't hide you from God. The night does not hide you. The entire planet, 8 billion people minus you, are agreeing that something is okay and God says no, then it's not okay. I don't care if 8 billion people buy into it. No, it's not okay. There is nothing that God does not see, and God knows every flim-flam thought you have in your heart, every excuse you're making. So stop pretending you cannot hide from God. Verse 32 through 34, the summons to be judged. Do you know that one day every single human that's ever lived will stand before the throne of God? Judged for your works after salvation, for rewards or loss of rewards. You will not receive condemnation because Christ took all of our condemnation. Or 
when you think you've did it on your own, the great white throne judgment, the books will be open, your life will be reviewed, you'll be found wanting, and end up in the lake of fire, separated from God forever. Either receive the gift of salvation or separation in hell forever from God. That's what he's talking about here. So the summons to be judged, 32 through 34. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. Doesn't pull any punches, does it? Jesus never pulls punches. He says it just like it is. You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? Great question. And his master was angry, or gay, or actually or geese, the word root is or gay, furious, delivered him to the torturers, the anguishers, until he should pay all that was due to him. So let's develop this. Again, there will be a day, a day when every human will be summoned to be judged. Every human. This is a fact. This is a fait complete. It will happen. You will stand before God. Now, hopefully you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That's Christian vernacular for I believe Jesus. Okay, you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I'm clothed in his his righteousness. God sees me as he sees his son, the second that I believe. As I live, says the Lord, Romans chapter 14, as I live, says the Lord, Yahweh, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now look, at this is a divine appointment. This is one appointment you won't be late for. There's not going to be too much traffic that you didn't get there on time. You will get there on time, and you'll be judged thoroughly and completely. Again, the Bema Seat judgment, rewards or loss of rewards for the believer. No condemnation, just that we're going to reward you, or you're going to experience, oh, I wish I would have done that for you, Lord. I think we'll all have a little of that. Or the great white throne judgment. The master called. He had to show up. And the master evaluates this servant. He says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. You begged me. The other guy begged you did not forgive him. I had compassion on you. I had pity on you. The picture is crystal clear. We have been forgiven much. It is incumbent upon us to forgive the little compared to the great that we have, we have received. Forgiveness for a believer is a must. Now, remember, we have something called the Lord's Prayer. And it's actually the disciples' prayer. And in that, it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or forgive us our debtors as we forgive our, de uh, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we have been forgiven. Now, and Jesus goes on fr from that to explain this forgiveness. In Matthew 6, 14 and 15, he says these words. Now, these are profound, and these are kind of scary. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, that's like, well, most of you don't know this program, but a long time ago in, in a planet far away, there was a program called Dragnet. And in that program, it went dun, 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 dun. You younger ones cannot appreciate our great upbringing. Yes, yes. Well, this is a dun, 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 dun statement. Now, I don't think this is talking about losing your salvation, but it certainly blocks your fellowship with God. If you do not forgive, you have a bitter spirit. You just look at people with unforgiving lives. I mean, what does their face look like? No, I should have put sad faces and all that up here, but you know, it's down. It's down. A question to ponder, should you have not had compassion on your fellow servant? Yes, yes. The master was angry. And again, the root word is orge, and that means enraged. And he delivered him to the tortures until he could pay the debt. 
The unforgiving servant was delivered to the torturers. The unforgiving person, often the victim of the, of the atrocity. They've experienced something horrific, impossible to forgive in the natural. But yet they're the ones being tortured by the event for a whole lifetime. People go through this. Jesus wants you to be free. Unforgiveness brings the tortures into your life. And if you hear this, no forgiveness, no peace, no joy. It really is that simple. Now, I have a picture here, forgiveness. And it says this, forgiveness is not always easy. Boy, you, this lady said a mouthful, Marianne Williamson. It's not always easy. At times, it feels more painful than the wound we suffered to forgive the one that inflicted it. And yet there is no peace, no peace without forgiveness, without forgiveness. Folks, forgiveness will set you free. Remember the little dove flying off. That's what forgiveness does for you. That's an important concept to keep in mind. So Jesus wants you to know something, know it very deeply. No forgiveness, no freedom. Now, Corey Ten Boom is an expert at forgiveness, and you're going to talk about her life here in a few minutes. But she wrote this, and there's another slide that talks about this. She wants freedom. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. This is the key. Forgiveness is the key. Jesus wants you to know no forgiveness, no freedom. Unlock the key to your life and enjoy your life while you're here. You cannot enjoy life here unless you have a forgiving spirit. You cannot. You will be trapped. You'll be trapped. So, freedom from a lifetime of anger, hatred, trapped in what I call loop think, circular thinking. And there'll be a picture here that describes what happens to somebody that doesn't forgive. It's loop thinking over and over and over. He's going this way, I guess. Over and over, playing it over in his mind or her mind. Never resting, always replaying it. Never free, never free. Folks, it is so important that you are set free. Remember, the Jesus way is the right way. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Live free. Don't live with the shackles of bondage. Don't live with the handcuffs on for your whole life. Verse 35, if I refuse to forgive, the torturers will await me. If I refuse to forgive, the torturers await me. Verse 35, Jesus says very plainly to every believer, for every person, so my heavenly Father also will do to you. It isn't a might do to you, could happen to you will do to you if each of you from his heart, from his heart. It has to be deep within you. It isn't just words. I forgive you. You ever hear this one? Okay, I forgive you. Is that forgiveness? My goodness. I forgive you. No, no, it's from your heart. Does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Folks, Jesus could not be clear. It's like a, like a, like a blinking, blazing light shining in the sky, Forgive, forgive, forgive. We must forgive our brother and sister their trespasses. This, this, folks, is not an option for the believer. This is not an elective. I'm not taking the forgiveness class if I feel like it. No, you have to take the forgiveness class. It's part of being a Christian. It's not if you feel like it. This is a must, and this is from God's mouth to our ears. For every person here, we have all been wronged at different points, every one of us. And we can choose to live in that anger and resentment, or we can give it up, give it over to God and say, I am not going to live my life this way. I am not going to be held captive for the rest of my life. Forgive or tortured, never free, always bound by an event or a person. Always. Forgiveness is from the heart. It must not be superficial, fake words. Jesus to you. Jesus to me. Jesus to me. God has forgiven me 
an immeasurable debt, an incredible debt. When you think about it, he has forgiven all of my sins on the cross. They were all pipped. All through history, all the sins of mankind were placed on Jesus. All the wrath of God went on Jesus that I deserved as an individual. Every sin that I ever commit from the beginning of life to the end of life placed on Jesus. Placed on Jesus. That is a giant debt. We are, we're sinning and we don't even know we're sinning. That's how pathetic we are. We are depraved folks. And that's all been placed on Jesus. Jesus, to me, God has forgiven me an immeasurable debt. We must forgive others. The result of forgiving the Jesus way, Corey ten boom again. It wasn't seven times like Peter said. It was 490 times, meaning an innumerable period of time until the kingdom comes, we will forgive. Notice the picture. Forgiveness is setting. Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free, only to find out that the prisoner was me. Now, Corey Ten Boom knows something about forgiveness. Knows something about forgiveness. We'll cover that in just a few seconds. So, closing thoughts. Now, again, you guys think this is going to get over early, don't you? Well, oh, no. <laughs> so, what is forgiveness? Well, it is the word epiphemai, and it means to send away or dismiss. I'm sending this away from my life. I'm dismissing this from my life. I am not going to allow this to keep me captive for all of my life. I will not live with bitterness forever. Now, Robert Dean, in his work, talks about four different types of forgiveness. Number one, he talks about, this isn't in your notes, so just kind of, you have to look up here for just a second. There's forensic forgiveness, okay? Forensic forgiveness, a legal type of forgiveness. 1 John 2, 2 says, Jesus is the atoning, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But not only our sins, the sins of the entire world were placed on Jesus. He atoned, he pacified the wrath of God. Atonement, a pacified the wrath of God. An acceptable sacrifice, assuaging the wrath of God. That's what atonement is, propitiation, Okay? So all of humanity's sin were placed on Jesus. Every sin was forgiven in the world. Every sin. But does that mean everybody's saved? Is there universalism because of that? No, no, there's not. Because the next thing is positional forgiveness. Positional forgiveness. When a person believes in Jesus Christ, commits their life to him, said, I trust you, Jesus. You save me. I trust you and receives the gift of salvation. Then they are positionally forgiven. John 1.12, you know the verse, yet all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, remember Pistillo, commit to, put your trust in, fidelity, loyalty to Jesus Christ as my Savior. That is believing. It's not mental assent. It is, I'm committing everything I have to the Lord Jesus. Yet all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You didn't come up with this, 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 this thing of coming into the family of God on your own. The Father drew you. The Holy Spirit convicted you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Everybody that's in here that's been saved, it's happened the same way. Nobody comes to Christ. Nobody seeks after God. God seeks people. He's always the initiator in the relationship. Always. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. You have the whole Godhead working, drawing, pulling, wooing you all of your life. Come, come. It's the truth. It's the truth. And you know it's the truth. But people stiff arm God. I don't want God. Stiff arm God. And then it ends up they're separated from God. It's the worst thing that could ever happen. Believe and receive the gift. That's positional forgiveness. And then there's the forgiveness that's experiential forgiveness. We sin. We all sin. And we all sin a lot. Okay? And when we do, 1 John 1, 9, we confess our sins. And if we confess our sins, he is, he is gracious and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then there's relational forgiveness. What we're studying now is that we forgive someone who's done something awful 
to us. Relational forgiveness. Now, John MacArthur has this to say on, what if I don't forgive? What if I'm just going to dig my heels in, going to pucker my face up, and I'm never going to forgive? This is just how I'm going to go through life. I'm, just, I'm not forgiving. That's how you're looking through all your life. Okay? Unforgiveness imprisons us in our past. Unforgiveness keeps pain alive. The wound never heals. Oozing discomfort is ever present. Unforgiveness produces a bitter heart. A bitter heart chewing on the event over and over and over. And I've already described it as loop thinking. Loop thinking. Never free. Always captive. Unforgiveness. Listen to this one. Give Satan an open door to demonic oppression, not possession. I don't believe a believer can be possessed, but you certainly can open yourself up to oppression. And an unforgiveness hinders our relationship with God and others. We live with a bitter spirit. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, the second time in this talk. For if you forgive men their trespasses, our Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will our Heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. An unforgiving heart will hurt you. Generally not hurting the people that, that have perpetrated something. They're just skipping along through life. You who suffers. If you do not forgive, you're the one that's tortured. And the perpetrator is oblivious, living free. Now, Chuck Swindoll, in his work, his counseling insights, gives us some roadblocks to forgiveness. Roadblocks to forgiveness. Number one roadblock is this. The desire to take revenge and pay back. Now, everybody has that desire. Okay, you're a human. You have your flesh nature. You are struggling with this. If you're in a marriage and your wife or your husband doesn't do something that you like, well, I think I'm going to pay back this. I don't think I like this. I think I'm going to give it to her or, he's, or vice versa. Like they gave it to me. Stop. Take a hard stop. That's the road to destruction of that relationship. Romans 12.1 says this. Do not, become over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This, folks, is not the world's way. You cannot do this naturally. This is a God-only thing. A God-only thing. So please remember that. Please remember that. Number two roadblock. The fear that forgiveness somehow communicates approval. It does not. It does not. This goes on to say this, quote, Far from minimizing sin... Forgiveness recognizes it for the utterly serious matter that it is and offers grace rather than vengeance. Now, steps to forgiveness. This isn't in your notes, so here, listen up. Remember how much God has forgiven you. That's the whole lesson today. Again, we rely on God, not our feelings. I don't feel like forgiving that person. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's an act of our heart. It's an act of obedience to God. Rely on the Holy Spirit to give you the strength. And then finally, set yourself free. Fly away like that dove, like that bird. Fly away, set yourself free, send it away, cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. Now, I could not give a talk about forgiveness without talking about forgiveness versus reconciliation. They are not the same. They are not the same. Forgiveness does not mean that the relationship between the offender and the offended is restored, returned to normal. Does that mean that? Reconciliation only occurs when there has been genuine repentance with a proven ongoing change of behavior. And actually, I should have added, there's an agreement between both parties to reconcile. Okay? Number th third part of this, this may take a considerable amount of time. You know, often, you know, we're men. I want to get the thing over with really quick. If I'm having an argument with Chris, okay, I, can, can we be over this quick? Or do we have to go through this the long way? 
the torturous way. I just want to get it done. Yeah, I'm sorry. Forgive me. You know, we want to get it done. Some things have to be worked through. Some things you cannot take the shortcut. Some things take a considerable amount of time. And reconciliation may or may not happen. But I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, God's desire is to restore healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. Satan's desire is to destroy those relationships forever. That, and he's great at it. He stirs it up and he wants people separated, angry, bitter, miserable for their whole lives. Reconciliation, folks, is God's miracle in your life. Now, I want to encourage each, everyone in here. You've been offended by somebody, something, something's hurt you, some devastating things. I want you to think about this. Move forward. Move forward. Do not stay where you are. Or, or if you're moving forward, stay moving forward. You have this information, so do what God says. Don't get stuck in the past. Philippians 3.13, the slide is going to come up here with that verse. It says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold, but one thing I do, forgetting, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, we press on towards the goal to win the prize, which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul had all kinds of reasons to have an unforgiving spirit. Man, the guy was beaten multiple times, rods, lashes, stoned, left for dead, shipwrecked several times. But God freed him from the bondage of unforgiveness. Simply, with God's help, epiphomai, send it away, dismiss it, refuse to live a lifetime of disappointment, anger, bitterness. And hear this loud and clear. No one ever said forgiveness is easy. It may be the most difficult thing you ever did in your life. But God is pulling for you. God is pulling for you to be free. Free. You can forgive. You must forgive to not live tortured. I, and remember this. I know you can forgive. I, how do I know? Because Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13, I can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it through him. I can't on my own. I can through him. Now, I want to flesh this out with the life of Corey Ten Boom. Now, most, some of you know who Corey Ten Boom is. Some facts about her life will come up on the screen. Uh, she was a Holocaust survivor. Very famous, really. She was a watchmaker. Actually, the first female watchmaker in Holland in the 20s. On April 15th, 1892, she died. On April 15th, interesting, 1983, at the age of 91, she passed away. She wrote some great works. Her notable quote, she has a whole bunch of them, but for whoever wrote this, forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart, how you feel, how you feel. Now, that's her life. Now, I'm going to put some pictures up here. The next picture you're going to see is Corey and her two sisters. So this is Corey. She's the youngest. This is Nolly. She did not end up in prison. And this is Betsy. She was in prison with Corey. Okay. Now, the next couple pictures, just give you a couple pictures of the Holocaust. These people are early arrivers at the Holocaust. Notice that they're not all emaciated. They're not all looking like death, but they will soon. And you have the second picture of children, even children. They killed them with impunity. These are all healthy at the beginning of their imprisonment. They have no idea what's coming. All of these people are probably dead. Well, they're dead by now anyway, but died from in this experience. Died in that experience. Just keep that up there while we're talking about Corey Ten Boom's life. Because the Holocaust was real. Corey was, uh, was born into a, a world where her grandfather was a watchmaker and he had a shop. And he actually did this in, from 1837, 1844. He had a weekly prayer service for Jewish people. They lived on the second floor of the, of the shop. Corey's family did. Now, I want to read this to you. During the German blitzkrieg across Europe on May, in May 1940, tanks and soldiers invaded the Netherlands. Corey was 48 at the time. 
was determined to help people. So she turned their home into a safe haven for people trying to escape the Nazis. The hideout worked well. Now hear this. Four years they had a hiding place. Four years they had a hidden room behind a wall that they hid prisoners in. But something happened at the four-year mark. A man named Jan Vogel, Jan Vogel, betrayed the operation to the Gestapo. Now, here's a man, that's a Netherlands guy, uh, uh, lived in Holland, and, cited, and, and bought into the indoctrination of the Nazis over what Corey was doing. Bought in, told on him, told on him. Now, what happened was 30 people were imprisoned. Corey's father died 10 years later, excuse me, 10 days later. And Corey and Betsy were put into several prison camps and ended up in Ravensbrück, which I think was in Poland. The living conditions were brutal, but even in these conditions, someone smuggled in a Dutch Bible and they held Bible studies in that prison under the nose of the Nazis. Now, how do you do that when that type of evil is going on and yet people are turning to Christ, turning to Christ, trusting Christ in the midst of that evil? In 1944, December 16th, Betsy died at Ravensbrook of starvation and lack of medical care and general brutality. And her last words were these. We must tell them, Corey, what we have learned. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that my God is not deeper. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper. Corey, they will listen to us. Corey, they will listen to us. We have been here. Tell them, Corey. Two weeks after Betsy's death, and then she died, and two weeks after Betsy's death, a clerical error got her set free. She calls that God's miracle. God's miracle. Shortly after Corey's release from the Ravensbrook camp, the rest of the women were executed. Corey made it out. Corey had to learn to forgive if she was going to be used by God. There was one guard in particular that was nasty to her and Betsy. And she's going to tell her story right now. This will be two minutes. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel aufseers in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world. Also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness and Fräulein Zambom will you forgive me and I could not I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him but when I saw when I experienced that I could not forgive Suddenly I knew I myself have no forgiveness, but I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5.5, and thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either, but he can. This is a person that experienced incredible persecution, incredible evil. 
unknown to anybody in here. Only to a few in the world have experienced this. But yet because of the Lord Jesus, she was able to forgive. She was able to do the impossible. Corey survived Braves and Book, Brave and Book, and had to learn to forgive in order to be used by God. This final picture here is, is her quote. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover the prisoner was you. Corey Boom was set free by forgiveness. She had every reason to hold on to her hate, and she did not. And she was set free and used by God. Forgiveness, folks, is of the heart. Forgiveness, forgive and be set free. And folks, we have been forgiven much. So it is incumbent upon us to forgive much. This is the Jesus way. Do you know the first cry from the cross when Jesus was being crucified was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The ones that were brutalizing Jesus, the ones that spat on him, the one that just beat him to a pulp, nailed him to the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The kingdom way is the forgiving way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth that is in heaven. Oh, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us, forgive us, God. Forgive us. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Forever and ever, God. Forever and ever. Folks, we're kingdom people. May we live like kingdom people and do the impossible and forgive and not live with bitter, with bitter lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus, Lord, so much. Thank you that he teaches us things that are so different than the world. He teaches us how to live as kingdom of God people here. He modeled for us how to live. He forgave the impossible. He's forgiven me, Lord. He's forgiven all of us. He took all of our sin debt. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit, the rod of iron up our spine, that allows us to do the impossible and to forgive the impossible to forgive. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.